Hello, my friends. I am very excited to introduce you to a very special guest today, Monica Packer. She is teaching us all about habits, how to break the bad habits that don't support us and how to create and sustain habits for long term. And I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. And we talk a little bit in the beginning. I actually was on Monica's podcast, gosh, almost probably almost six years ago when she first started her podcast. And I was trying to kind of figure out what I was doing in the online space. And it's been really fun. It's really fun to see her growth. And um, it's fun to kind of have this full circle moment to have her come back on now my podcast and share something that you know I'm so passionate about around here, sustainable habits. And we have such a beautiful conversation about how to how to overcome the guilt and the shame and the disappointment and all of the shoulds that surround us when we try to create new habits for our lifestyle and how we can look at them differently. So Monica does this so beautifully in this episode. I cannot wait for you to listen to it. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Woman of Wellness podcast, a show for the woman who wants to make peace with food, love her body, and find joy in exercise and movement. I'm Elizabeth, exercise physiologist and women's nutrition and wellness coach here to spread the message that it is absolutely possible for you to enjoy food, exercise, and your body without guilt, shame, or regret. To the woman who is fed up with dieting, feels trapped in a body she wishes she could love, or who lets food and fitness rules overtake her life, it's time to put a hard stop on diet culture and discover wellness within. My friend, you are already a woman of wellness. Your worth is more than a number on the scale. You are worthy of showing up in love for your body today and every day. On this podcast, I want you to show up as yourself, beautifully imperfect and gain confidence to accomplish anything you set your mind to. I believe that every woman has the gift of knowing what her body truly wants and needs within herself and I'm here to help you discover it. Join me each week for conversations about food, fitness, weight loss, and wellness to help you achieve your goals and love taking care of your unique body. It's a lie that wellness has to be hard, painful, and downright miserable, and I'm ready to link arms with you and experience the joy of wellness together. Okay, my friends, I am really excited to be introducing our special guest today, Monica Packer. I'm actually really excited to have you here because this has come full circle. I was on your podcast kind of when your podcast just started and I was just barely years ago. Yeah. Like five plus years ago where we were just kind of getting started in this space and I was still trying to figure out what I was doing. And, um, so it's really fun actually now to have you on my podcast. So will you share a little bit more about you and your podcast with all these wonderful women here? Yeah, that was, that was fun to do that. And, and great that we have had that connection throughout and how we've both grown within the work that we do online and and shifted to, and it's part of the path, right? Um, so a quick intro, uh, a quick intro for me. I'm, I'm Monica Packer. I live in the Salt Lake area with my four kids and husband 
he counts too. <laughs> he counts. And I, I love what I, what I'm passionate about and what I get to share about often, which is personal development outside of perfectionism, which really was an accidental thing for me, uh, uh, both, both, a, a shift my, with the way I was living my own life. And then also accidental to begin teaching about it so much online and trying to help women really come into themselves and to come off the sidelines of their own lives and develop themselves and find themselves and find fulfillment as well as work on habits, which was a whole other accidental path too that really came into play. It was just so clear to me. I couldn't talk about personal development and identity and fulfillment and self-care and all these things without also getting good at habits myself, but also getting good at teaching it. And let me tell you what, Elizabeth, it was, that was a tall order and it took me years to crack because, uh, if you're doing personal development outside of perfectionism, the way that habit formation is taught is riddled with perfectionism. And, um, so anyway, that's, that's what I'm passionate about. And I'm excited to be teaching a little bit about it today and having a conversation with you about it. Yes. I'm excited to have you here. And, and Monica has a really amazing podcast called about progress. Oh, I should have said that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, make not sure the amazing part, but yeah. yes, I, I do have a podcast that's almost six years old now called about progress. And, and that's where we, you know, we dig into all of what I just said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, like the, the diving deeper, because I love that really habits has been a part of your story, right? And you've lived it in your life. And so you're here to share, you know, your, your real life experience and your expertise in, in teaching this and, you know, in this community, especially, um, habits are hard. They, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times we, and especially as women, we have this idea that like, I don't even know if it's an idea, but this like automatic thought process of it has to be perfect. I have to mm -hmm. set it up perfectly. And one of the things I released an episode a couple weeks ago where I called it procrastinate planning, <laughs> where yes. I'm really good at planning something perfectly. And that's how I procrastinate actually taking action on it. So I'm, I think this episode is going to be very timely because especially, you know, soon we're going to be going back to school. Some habits that we want yes. to create might be coming back. I don't know. I feel like my summer has been a little chaotic. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm really glad that we're going to be talking about this today. Um, so one of the things that, and, and we talked before a little bit and, and said we could talk for hours about this concept. So we really wanted to dive into the idea of maybe how to get rid of some of those bad quote, bad or whatever we want to help unhelpful, non-supportive habits and start creating a lifestyle of habit creation and mm -hmm. habit living, right? How do we live our habits? So why don't we kind of just jump right into this idea of the bad habits or unsupportive habits? Why do we get stuck in this? Like, just kind of give us, why are we stuck? I think, I think a lot of women would feel like, okay, I'm stuck. I can't accomplish what I want. I have habits that I want to create, but I also have these habits that I keep doing over and over like emotional eating, right? We talk a lot about that around here. How can we break the cycle of those bad habits? So let me just start by saying, I'm not going to start <laughs> where people want me to, which is giving the straight up how to like, here are the practical tips 
to breaking a quote unquote bad habit. And I love how you already changed language with that, which shows that we're, you know, so on the same wavelength here, it's, it's not that it's bad. It's just unsupportive. And we'll talk about that too. Um, but where I do want to start with women is in order for you to work on your quote unquote bad habits, there's a lot of a there's, there's a lot deeper work that needs to happen as well as some big shifts in the way that you view habits and the way that the ways that you form them and the ways that you quote unquote stick with them, because it's not about just 100% religious consistency that we learned what consistency meant in the past. So to start with, I would just challenge women to think about like, what is my relationship with habit formation? Do I have certain mindsets about it that are really sabotaging my ability to create supportive habits? Because before I even start helping women with bad habits, we first start there about thinking like, what is my habit identity? How do I typically approach habits? Um, Do I think about it only in terms of all or nothing? Guilt and shame driving it, all the shoulds that are around us constantly, but this is how you do a habit. This is what habits you should have. It's it's riddled everywhere with habit formation, those shoulds, right? So let's just start there thinking about what is my relationship with habit formation? And if I'm going to give a quick example, my relationship with habit formation was built on my entire foundation of being a good person, which was to me, perfectionism. It was all or nothing right? You do consistency meant to me, you do exactly the ideal that you want, that you're striving for 100% of the time. So if we're even thinking about a small habit, like writing in my journal, the ideal for me would be, you know, write, writing in a page each night around the same time. And that's what I would do from day one, right? This exact same habit, the exact same way every single day. And the first day you fail, it's like you didn't, you don't just start over the next day. It's like you're starting from nothing. So all or nothing was the only model I really navigated life in for many, many years. And um, that came at a cost for me. It came at a cost for my mental health. It came at a cost for my relationships. It came at a cost for my physical health with, um, severe eating disorders. And it came at a cost with my, with my life goals. My whole life changed when I hit rock bottom with all those things. Uh, I was forced to change my plans and what I wanted for my life. And then I was kind of in the nothing zone for many years because I didn't know there was another way. Like I only thought you can only be a planner this way, or you can only be a journaler this way, or you can only um, exercise this way. Like there were all these shoulds, right. And, and this is, and and then with habit formation process was no different. This is how you form habits. You do 21 days or 28 days or 100 days of perfect consistency to get a new habit. And because I knew the cost I paid before I could not pay it again. And I also couldn't do it the way that I did before. I just stayed in the nothing side. And so I had this flip floppy, but regardless of which side I was on really negative, harsh, self-shaming driven relationship with life, but trickle down to the way I did habits. And I told you a little bit about my accidental um, journey and I won't share too much more about that, but to say, you know, it took a lot of time 
for me to rewire the way that I looked at habits, what, what they were, what they were for, and how to make them, how to actually create habits that stick. And I can also tell you now that I my habits are more supportive than they've ever been. They are more consistent than they've ever been. And they're also way different than I ever thought they would be in terms of how I do them, right? They're (laughs) never perfect. So in fact, what I've learned is habits thrive best for women built on flexibility and the way that we're taught habit formation across the board, they don't allow that room for flexibility. And if we're going to think about this big picture in terms of bad habits, because like I told you before we started this call, I could talk about this for hours and I'm going to, I could tell you all about flexibility and consistency and all that. We could go down those routes, but if we're just going to look at this through the lens of bad habits and we're thinking about just, you know, showing up differently, it's not a one and done thing. Habit formation, even a good habit, a stable habit will look differently season to season. I journal different in the summer than I do in the fall. I exercise differently during the summer months than I do in the fall. I exercise differently. Like if I started my period or if a kid's sick, but because of the built-in flexibility, I'm allowed to be flexible and my consistency can be that way too. So I'm, I'm still, I'm consistent because I'm flexible. And so the reason I'm bringing all these tangents up is because if you look at the big picture and look at your relationship with, with habits in general, that will explain a lot of what your struggles are with the quote unquote bad habits. And I'll stop saying quote unquote from now on, we'll just say bad habits that will explain why they are happening so much and also why you feel so out of control with them. And it's largely just because of that relationship. And that needs to be really visited hard. And there needs to be a lot of rethinking and rewiring there. Um, And we can talk more about like habits and like bad habits and, 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 and how to look at those differently too. But that's where I would encourage women to start. Yeah. You are so aligned with what we talk about around here because the traditional messaging of habits and lifestyle change is really about action. And there's always a missing piece of mindset. If we have a bad relationship or a a poor relationship with how we've done things in the past, and we talk about this a ton in our diet cycle um, discussion, where like, I've failed at this diet over and over and over again. And you have this relationship, like I'm, I'm a failure. I'm going to fail at this. Then it almost just sets us up for disaster from the start, right? Because we have this mindset of like, I've never been able to do this right before. What's Mm -hmm. going to say that it's going to change now? Yes. But but we, but we find, we want to find that magic thing. And so we find that, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm envisioning, hopefully I don't go too off here, but I'm envisioning like 75 hard when they're like, do all these things perfectly for 75 days. And we have this idea like, oh, I can stick to it. I can do it. But what you were saying is that the relationship with those things hasn't been built. If you don't have a relationship with food, a relationship with exercise that you want to have, no amount of action is, is truly going to change that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is where I feel like this might be a good time for, for me to now bring in some practical tips. Okay. Because I feel like we do want that and I want to give that to them. So 
I'll start with a few and then we can take this wherever you'd like. But, you know, the first thing I ask them is think about that relationship they have with habit formation in general. Um, Then with that, I would say the first practical tip we can give these women who want to work on their bad habits is to actually focus on the good habits. And it's exactly related to what you were just saying, which is why I thought let's let's bring up this practical tip first, because they need to form a new identity with habit formation process. One where they can say, I am successful at this. And it's because they're doing it in a different way than they've ever done it before. But having that sense of both experience and confidence, and and I'd probably add a third there, knowledge, the how to, right? That's what gives you not only the knowledge, confidence, and the experience that you need to work on the bad habits, but also the identity and the trust in yourself. Like I, I actually can do this now. I I do it differently than maybe I thought I did before, which is why I know I can tackle this habit that is not serving me. So that's the first place I would encourage them to start is actually focus on building up some supportive habits first and building that experience and confidence and know-how that you need. Yeah. And from a place of, you know, you mentioned thinking about your mindset around the habits, getting to a place where, how can I be in a growth mindset with habits and then create some of those habits based on maybe that's that mental space rather than like, oh, I've tried this before and failed. Well, maybe we try, try a different approach. And I have kind of a tiny little example that I was thinking of as we were talking about it. And I've shared a little bit about this, but I've always struggled with my money mindset throughout my whole life. Oh, and I, yeah. Here, and I, you friend. Yes. <laughs> scarcity abounds there. Yeah. And I recently within the last year hired a life coach and she has kind of been working with me. And, um, you know, one of the things that I brought in, which I teach women, but like it was a different context. I said, I've just tried this so many times and I, and I don't know how to get out of this cycle. I just keep failing at it. And one of the things that we worked through was getting to one simple action I can do. And it was literally just looking at my money each day. That was it. It was very simple. And at first I was like, that feels too simple or it feels like that's going to make me mad. Right. Or whatever. I know, weirdly scary. Right. Yeah. But what I told her, you know, a couple of weeks into, it, I said, it feels very empowering now. I feel like I know what's happening. I feel like I am aware and and I feel I've stepped into a more empowered space. And so I love what you're bringing in. I wanted to kind of jump on that to say what you're bringing in here is a giving women permission to be empowered, to step into some habits that support what they want to live, not what someone else says. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with that first step is, is the failure process is when you actually are building supportive habits, the most important thing that I think all habit formation methods out there overlook that I've learned not to is that failure not only has to be a part of the process, but it is essential to the process. It's not something we like look down on and avoid. We expect it to happen and we learn how to deal with it differently than the way that we've been taught or practiced or the identity we formed without all or nothing. I'm just a failure. Um, so that it's, that's part of getting confident is learning how to fail and what to do with those, those habit fails as you form those supportive habits. And realizing that your relationship with failure can actually be a good one, right? For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's not fun. Like I still don't enjoy feeling, but I, it, it happens constantly. 
in every part of my life, but I would say I definitely have a different relationship. And the biggest difference is that it doesn't mean something about me right off the bat. You know, sometimes it's still my first inclination to think like, Oh, what's wrong with me? You know, but most of the time I'm able to not go there right away, or at least talk myself out of that pretty quickly to say, let's see what we can learn from this and, and, um, and not make it about me so that I keep going down that cycle. So, so yeah, that was like the first big, the first big, I wrote down a few, like why we were talking oh, let's here. Hear so. them. Let's keep going. I love it. <laughs> okay. So I'll give you a second, uh, practical tip then on how to deal with these bad habits. And it's just to look at that word bad. I mean, we were doing the whole quote unquote thing for a while. There you used an excellent word at the beginning, which is related to how I define habits. Habits are supportive period. They're supportive for us. That means they're going to be different for each one of us. So bad habits, they get that term bad also because of the shoulds that we are riddled by so much. And it's, so I guess the tip is neutralize bad habits, neutralize what habits are. Someone's good habit of writing just one line in their journal for a day might be someone else's bad habit because maybe they're avoiding some other work, right? They're using it as a way to procrastinate or numb out. Maybe my habit of watching Netflix at night, that's supportive habit for me. And honestly, it's like, that is a very supportive habit for me. That could be someone else's quote unquote bad habit. So we really do have to neutralize what habits are, including bad habits, because for us, the reason we name these bad habits, besides them being shoulds, often the opposite of shoulds, right? Like, oh, I should be going to bed at 10 and I go to bed at 11, you know, so that's a bad habit I should break. You know, there's the should, right? Yeah. Right there. But another way to look at this is to think about this about more in terms of intention. The reason why bad habits feel bad is because they're often done without intention. We are doing them as ways to avoid to, to numb out bad feelings, to avoid, be, you know, avoid the work or the stress or the bad or the hard feelings that are related to other tasks or habits, good habits that we're trying to create. Um, and also just that whole identity piece too, right? It's hard to face the idea of failure. So it's easy to just avoid it with the quote unquote bad habits. So neutralize what habits are, and then take a look at the bad habits and say like, this is actually, it's, it's not bad permanently. It's not inherently immoral or bad or good. It's just not supportive to me. So for me, this is, this feels bad because it's not supportive and it's not being done intentionally in my life. And that's what makes this hour of Netflix feel bad or even this emotional eating, you know, it's, it's the lack of intention behind it. And as someone who's spent well over a decade and a half recovering from eating disorders that were related to emotional eating too, I get that that whole topic of conversation really, really, really well, but that applies to anything. Um, so neutralize what habits are and then get real about, well, this habit is actually doing a good job. It's helping me avoid and neutralize or try not to not, not neutralize. Sorry. It's helping me avoid and create numbing, numbing behaviors. It's a numbing behavior essentially that I don't want to choose anymore, or I want to choose better. I want to learn how to insert ways to support myself. 
Yeah. And that, like you kind of brought in emotional eating, we talk about, you know, when you have that first initial inclination to turn to food, to deal with your emotions, we kind of have this visual of like, okay, I need to stop for a minute. And I just need to ask myself, what am I feeling? What am I Mm -hmm. feeling? And what do I need? And so often the habit, we, we talk a little bit about habit loops too, right? Like where we, Mm -hmm. we, we do things automatically when we can stop yeah, that's the perfect kind of gateway to say I can change this because I can actually stop this unsupportive habit and figure out what I actually need. And the thing that comes up for me is like social media. Mm-hmm. My my numb out is scroll, and it makes me angry. Like it's so frustrating. But someone else might re- like I could also find a lot of great things in social media if I could learn, but it, it has become my, what's the word emotional eating, right? Where it's like, yeah, I actually need to stop and say, what is my intention here? How do I feel? What do I need? And how can I give it to myself? Mm-hmm. And you're kind of bringing that in with, with these habits. So when I'm actually helping women who are working specifically with numbing behaviors, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we do. We, we stop and we name it. This is a numbing behavior. Yeah. And then we ask ourselves, well, what am I feeling? What do I need? Exactly those things. But here's the third step we choose. But in the beginning, how I challenge women to start is to intentionally still choose that behavior. And that seems so antithetical, right? It seems like so opposite. Like, so you're going to tell me to choose to emotional eat or choose to scroll or choose to continue my procrastination loop that I'm on. Yes, because the intention changes the feeling with it and you will find you need less of it for starters. And second, it also helps you actually develop that, that skill of stopping because you know, whenever you stop to name a numbing behavior, it doesn't automatically mean you can't do that behavior, right? You're tricking your brain to know, like, it's okay for me to name the behavior because it doesn't mean I have to stop it. So the more often you're able to name it, because you're allowed to actually choose either way, the more over time you will find that you're able to insert a different choice over time till it becomes a lot more natural. Um, So that's another tip, I guess we can throw in there. It feels it's the difference between feeling empowered to make a choice and feeling a slave to your choices, right? Feeling trapped in those habits versus I get to make this choice. And we talk a ton about that with emotional eating. Like it's not good or bad, whether or not you eat the cookie or or in the moment, it's just understanding that like you are in control of that situation versus the situation controlling you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was in my like heavy, um, binging modes, you know, it was terrifying to Mm -hmm. tell myself I could be allowed to eat or emotionally eat, emotionally eat. But that's honestly what has made me not be a binger anymore is giving myself that actual choice Yeah, changes a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So I guess we've gone through, we've gone through two. Do you want okay. one more? Let's do it. Yeah. Or a third. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm kind of micromanaging. No, you're doing <laughs> great. Let's, this, this is good because we're implementing. One of the things that I love is like, we implement the mindset into the action and that's what we're doing. We've got to get, we've got to be in the right mindset to be able to implement the practical tips. And so I I love all of it. Let's keep going. 
And yeah, I remember that from the interview you did for my podcast uh, years ago, even then, even though we were having different focuses at the time in our own businesses and how we've shifted, just how aligned we are. It's so fun to talk to you. (laughs) So, okay. So now let's get to the nitty gritty. Okay. The way that habits are formed are the same for good habits and bad habits. So a bad habit is actually working well. It's successful. Yeah. And if we're going to hijack this process, it's almost like the exact same as you do with a good habit. You come up with a really clear plan. You have to identify what that same plan is happening, but automatically with a bad habit. So without talking to you for another hour, let me just quickly break this down. A good habit has three steps to it. And I call it the what the, because the acronym kind of looks like that. It's WTA. It has, it's a when then pairing. So when I, it's a cueing behavior, then I, the actual habit behavior. And the missing piece there is an affirmation part of it Mm. where it either makes you feel good, like an instinctual reward. Charles Duhigg talks about this in, in his book, the power of habit, or it also enforces this identity in you. Like I'm a journaler. I keep referencing that one. I'm a runner. I'm, I'm able to say no when I don't actually really want something. I, you know, it, it it's, it's affirming of a deeper part of you. Okay. So a good habit has a really clear cue behavior, a when a really cute, a really clear then behavior, you know, exactly what the good habit is going to be and what the worst version of that is, meaning the version you can do on your worst of day. That's how you can be consistent. And I won't go all down there, but we'll, we'll just say that's, that's important. It has to be that. And then a way where you're affirming in yourself, whether, whether it's feeling good or it's rewarding that's happening. That's, that's called the sticky habit formula to me. That's what I call that. That, that formula creates a sticky habit both good habits and quote unquote bad habits. So with a bad habit, you're basically just getting really clear about what's already happening. What's the cue? What's the when that's creating the, then the bad behavior that I don't want anymore, the unsupportive behavior, the when can often be emotional. And that's why I don't do a course all on bad habits because you need to start with the good and the rewiring, right? But bad habits are oftentimes connected way more to deeper roots of emotions and numbing behavior and past experiences that we often need support and untangling because it's often really confusing even for us to be able to identify, oh, I'm actually in the pantry and shoving chocolate chips down my throat because and I'm not trying to negate that behavior or say it's bad at all because I love chocolate chips and will eat them all day um, without guilt. But I'm just saying, if it's not chosen for you and you're confused about why is this happening, it can often be a little difficult to rewind and think, what was the trigger? Yeah. Was it an emotion I experienced to something someone said? Was it a foreboding feeling I had thinking about all that I had to do that day? Was it avoidant? Was it me trying to numb? So it takes, it's trickier. It's admittedly harder to do, but there is a when, and the more that you allow yourself, just like we talked about the numbing behavior, the more we allow you allow yourself to just look at it objectively without the self-blame, without the identifying, I am bad. I am a failure. I stink at this. I, or even I, I can't do this. Like I'm an emotional eater. Like I'm, that's who I am, you know? Um, and that was really hard for me to rewire too for many years because I thought I'm never going to escape this. 
identity, like a habit that became an identity, right? Anyway, giving yourself just the opportunity to look at it objectively, you are collecting data. And that data, like any good science, any good scientist, right? It's going to take time. So you have to be patient with this process because even finding the when, the cue, the the triggering behavior to the then, the bad behavior that you don't want anymore, it will just take time for you to figure that out. So ride the ride, like be, be willing to fail, be willing to not understand, be willing to be confused, be willing to be frustrated, but also be willing to have the courage to be curious. Curiosity is what will help you overcome the unsupportive bad habits more than anything else, because you're just cracking a code. Once you can identify that when the cue behavior, then you'll be able to do what we talked about, create a new behavior and it's in the place of the unsupportive behavior or learn how to remove the cue, the triggering behavior altogether, or to make it less likely to happen or harder to happen. And then the same thing happens. You you could also look at what, what is this doing for me? What, how is it affirming something for me? Is it helping me avoid something? So that feels good. Is it creating a different emotion that I would rather feel? And you can hijack that too, in different ways, one by inserting a good behavior and affirming it, or by coming up with a way to tap down on that reward, like to not make it feel as good, to make it harder to do, you know, things like that. And again, a lot more complicated. So I would just start with figure out what the cue is, get clear about what the triggering um, things are happening in your environment that are creating that need to find ways to numb or avoid um, with the unsupportive bad habit. Yeah. And everyone around here is very familiar, familiar with putting on their detective hats. Ooh, nice. What we talk about is like search for clues, right? The traditional the, the traditional or maybe the way things have been done in the past is I've messed up. So I've failed. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, Monica is kind of sharing here is that, you know, we, ha- we haven't really failed. Like we can define the def, you know, we can come up with the definition of failure, but, um, really it's all about saying, okay, I, I, our quote is I'm winning or I'm learning, right. Ooh. I'm either winning at this or That's I'm beautiful. learning something from it. Right. I'm taking something away for for next time for something else that I want to try. Or I look at it and say, okay, did I win at this behavior or do I need to sit down and say, I'm learning about this behavior. And I think it's funny that you've been bringing up journaling because I released an episode a few weeks ago about journaling and lots of people were saying, I don't really journal. I don't know how. And I struggled with journaling my whole life because I had a should in my Mm. brain about what journaling was supposed to be. And it was supposed to be a log of my life. Uh And when I released that, and I realized that journaling for me is getting my brain out and helping me process things. And I don't write anything about this is what I did today ever. It, it became something that I love and I crave it now. Mm. And for most of my life, I felt like there was a a right and a wrong way to journal. And now I can say I'm a journaler and that's a unique definition for me, just as it is for you, but it's part of your lifestyle. It's one of your habits and it's not every day. It's not perfect. Some days it's like just a quick write down or whatever. And other days it's, you know, I'm working through a lot of things, but that's still a habit and like helping women understand the difference that like, 
a habit does not equal an every single day perfect following. Mm-hmm. And that alone changes almost everything, especially in terms of that whole identity piece we talked about, because we know like I'm a journaler, even though I don't write a full page that I want my children to read in the future every single day. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's having that flexibility that makes the consistency possible. And, and that's how I view consistency. My definition of it is doing your best most of the time over time. And your best is allowed to change in different seasons. Like those last summer, my, you know, my kids were all home. I was really, really sick most of the summer and my best looked a whole lot different than I envisioned it looking coming into the summer. And then it was even just like a month prior. Right. And but, but that was allowed. So because of that, I'm still a journaler. I'm still a meditator. I'm still an exerciser. I'm all those habits that support me, but way differently. And that's been freeing in and of itself is just that, that idea of, of flexibility. And, and most of the time is like four out of the seven days, or sometimes just straight up three and a half that, yeah. <laughs> that can work too. Right. Well, you know, when I was in school and so my degree is in exercise physiology and, um, one of the things that I remember one of the key, like, um, recommendations for exercise, it would always say on most days of the week, you yeah. know, but then somehow it trickles down to be like at least seven days a week. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of funny uh-huh. how it goes, goes to like that. Most like, of oh. six out of seven. Yeah. That's most. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, doing your def- best, like an hour and a half of a high fit <laughs> workout. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We do that. We go right to that. So what would you say then? So I, I think we've, we've kind of, we've got a really good, like, I think we're in a little bit of a better mental space with habits and, and understanding like how to change it. What would you then say to the woman who is in this space where she feels like she has a lot of unsupportive habits and she wants to change her identity, right? She wants, mm-hmm. so what our, our whole premise around here is becoming a woman of wellness. She wants to become a woman of wellness. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that go into that, right? A lot of different things. And she feels really overwhelmed with how much she needs to change to match that identity. Where should she start? You saw me jotting down a few things. Cause I mean, my temptation is to share the fire hose that I have about this topic, but I'm just going to give you one thing right now. And that is to start with the truth and the truth, especially with habit formation for women is that we have been taught to do it wrong our entire lives. And the truth is women have to do habits differently than men, not because we're inferior or because we're superior, not because we're not capable but because our lives are different and knowing, like just knowing the truth that the reason why I have this identity of being bad at certain things, or maybe all the things. And it's so overwhelming because all I can see are unsupportive habits Mm. and the lack of being good at any of this, that all is that, that sense of overwhelming failure really all comes back to you misplacing where the failure lies. It's honestly not with you. It's with the methods that you've been using and those methods, and this is across the board are designed for men. And that's not me saying men are bad. I have had amazing coaches and uh, teachers and an amazing spouse and, and friends with incredible men who are doing great jobs, but 
but that's the facts. And if they want to know more about that, I have a whole 45 minute class on it that I'm going to be teaching soon that I would direct them to, because what I have to share in that is not just me spousing off these ideas and just, or spouting them off and just being like, Oh, us women, like, Oh, those men, we got to blame them. It's their fault. It's not that this is research backed. And I'm not saying like, Oh, I did a couple Google searches. This is hundreds, if not thousands of scientists doing this for decades of research to back this. And it's so overlooked. And I want women to know the truth and just knowing the truth about that will help you one stop the, the lifetime often of shame and blame Mm. and two help you know better so you can do better. But to me, it's not just do better. It's do things differently. And so I invite you to to take that class. It's it's going to happen in a couple of weeks. Do you mind if I share the the sign up link? Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, share it here and then we'll put it in the show notes as well. Okay, uh-huh. great. Just go to aboutprogress.com slash let me check. <laughs> I wrote this down. Habit class because I had to have I had to make sure I was saying the same URL. So aboutprogress.com slash habit class, and it will take you right to, it's a free sign up, and it's for all women. This is not just for women who have young children in the home or women who don't. It's it, it's across the board. It affects all women, and you're going to learn more. Why? Yeah, and I kind of, I wanted to piggyback on that. One thing I've been learning a lot about um, just in the last year is cycle syncing. And learning how Oh my gosh, this has been brought up so often lately. And I I just listened to podcast episodes, so I don't know anything about it. So tell me. Yes. But basically we are learning that our bodies are on a a different cyclical pattern than men. I mean, you know, since you kind of brought that up, you know, it's just on a different cyclical pattern and learning how to work with that cyclical pattern actually helps us show up in a better way. So dirt Mm -hmm. certain times of the month, you are more energized, you're more creative, you're more social. And the more that I align myself with that, the more incredible things happen. Like I have noticed a significant difference in my life, paying attention to like, okay, this is kind of a week where I need to wrap things up, or this is a week where I feel my most creative and seeing that pattern repeat itself over and over again is so powerful. And so a lot of habit discussion is around every single day, right? Mm -hmm. Or morning, every morning. Mm -hmm. And what I'm learning is, okay, like you mentioned, exercise looks different at different times of the month. I don't wake up every single day at this time and do this exercise every single day. I've learned to be more intuitive Love with that. my body. And so that's, I kind of wanted to like add that is like, that makes sense then that, you know, we would maybe have a little bit different um, approach than, than, you know, a different gender or whatever, because of how our bodies are uniquely made. For sure. And yeah, that's the definite, like probably the number one, like physical difference that makes the way that these methods teach consistency impossible for women, but there's a bigger, like social reason. That's an umbrella reason that applies to all women. And that's the one I'm going to teach them in that class. And, and the class is called the number one reason why women must do habits differently. But yes, that's, that is one of the many, but there's one big, huge overarching umbrella one that I want to teach them about. Yeah. And, and it really comes down to like coming back to what you said is like your identity. You know, I am, 
a woman who wants to create a, a lifestyle of wellness and habits and all of that. And so I need to learn how to work with my unique body and with, you know, who I am and creating that identity. Um, so, so cool. I love that. So such a compassionate way of looking at life too. So I love that you actually start with that with your, your community. I'm a woman of wellness. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, I feel like this is a a really awesome place to say, tell us, okay, we've already figured out that we've got this cool number one place or what did you call it? I know it's such a long title. (laughs) The number one reason why women must do habits differently, just free class, free habit class. Yeah. And I'm all about that. So, um, we'll put that in the show notes and then just tell everyone where else they can find you. Um, if they kind of want to dive into this, cause I know you've been working on this for a long time Yeah, and you know, this is something that is so, you know, it's, it's your passion and you teach it really well. So tell us where we can find you. I would say the number one place I would like you to go besides that free class is, is just my podcast. Since you're already listening to one while you're already on your app there, search for about progress. I'm not going to tell you to subscribe because I think that needs to be earned. I, yeah, I want you to listen and decide, yeah, this is for me. Listen to a couple episodes. And and then if we're, if we're the right fit, I would love for you to subscribe. And that's, that's really where I want them to go. That'd be great. I love podcasts and everyone around here loves them too. I mean, they're obviously listening to one, but this has been my favorite thing that I've done and it's almost two years old. So Monica's is a lot older than mine. (laughs) Oh, I remember feeling like I was a total veteran at two years and I was just listening to my podcast from like three years ago. I'm like, holy cow, I'm a totally different podcaster now, but it's so great. Two years is a big feat in the podcasting world. You should be really proud of that. But isn't that cool? that you, um, you know, I've got to go deep here. Everybody's <laughs> like, Oh, here she goes again. But you identified as the podcaster back then and you For still sure. are the podcaster, right? You were still a podcaster and look, all you've done is kept showing up. That's another phrase we say around here. Keep showing up. And that's all you've done is continue to show up and learn from your failures and grow and develop. And you're still a podcaster right? You're still the podcaster, but you have so much more knowledge and wisdom because of the things that you've lost and gained, right? From the losses gained in those five, six years, or did you say six years? Yeah, almost. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how cool is that? So I I guess it just really comes full circle here based on what we talked about is this idea that like you stepped into that identity long before you really became not became, but like long before you actually accomplished what you have now. Right. 100%. And doesn't that apply to anything? Like you want to be a writer, call yourself a writer. You want Mm. to dance again, call yourself a dancer, even though you haven't danced for a couple of decades, you know, motherhood has been that has been true, you know, with that for me, for sure. I feel like I only now officially feel like I I'm a mom, mom, and I'm 11 years in like, but I called myself that all along. So it's just with anything else. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. I know this is going to be a really fun episode, um, to share. And, and so I I hope that everyone feels more empowered, just that same, that same word that we used earlier, just this idea of, I can be, I can feel empowered to make 
choices that support me. And I don't have to feel like there's someone else making those choices for me, or I have to follow something someone else said, I get to make those choices and I get to create new habits and I get to learn from them and step into that empowerment. So thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us. Well, you are an incredible interviewer and I love chatting with you. This has been a great experience for me. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, my friend, if you love the Woman of Wellness podcast, did you know that one of the biggest ways you can say thank you is by hitting that subscribe button and leaving a review? This helps the women that need this message have more of a chance of seeing it. And if these messages speak to you, why not share the love? I genuinely care what you think of this podcast. If this particular episode resonated with you, just copy the link and send it to a friend or share it on social media. Make sure to tag me at a woman of wellness and I will be sure to send my love right back. And while you're at it, just come hang out with me on Instagram. I share lots more support over there as well. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. I absolutely mean it.